This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now, you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, like the ones that you'll find in the Seedlip cocktail book, or on their Instagram account, at Seedlip underscore N-A. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here by myself. The kids are in bed, the cat is in her room, and I am so glad that you could join me for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 111. So folks, odd episode tonight. I'm doing this one alone. Shane is not with me. Yes, it feels weird. Yes, it feels lonely. And yes, I'm speaking into a microphone and staring at a wall in front of me. It's weird. I don't know if I like it, but we'll see. So Shane, well, I, I guess I'll get to that in a second. Let me introduce our guest because that that's what's really exciting about this episode. But we have Julie Cole on. We've had her before. She's the founder of Mabel's Labels. And she is just so candid in her conversation about divorce, explaining divorce to your kids, how to kind of co-create a parenting strategy that works for you and the partner that you've separated with, because that will look different for everybody. And Julie has a really unique solution that worked for her family, which I didn't even know existed. Super fascinating. And she talks about, you know, co-parenting and practice, the challenges and successes that she's experienced. So thank you so much to Julie for sharing so candidly and for, you know, I have so many questions about these things and I never know when I'm stepping over the line or not. So I'm really grateful that she kind of, you know, went with the flow and allowed me to ask whatever I felt like asking. Again, thank you to Julie Cole. You are the best. And folks, just because it's, you know, only me tonight doesn't mean I'm not going to be drinking a Seedlip cocktail. So tonight, keeping it simple with a Seedlip Spice 94 and Fever Tree ginger beer. I need a little spice, a little kick. Uh, I want to go to bed early after this. So, you know, sometimes with alcohol, I can't fall asleep right away. But Fever Tree is nice. It'll give me or and Seedlip. It'll, it'll give me the little relaxation I need. And then I'll be able to fall asleep and uh, enjoy I guess sleeping alone, even though that is something I historically hate. Maybe maybe this will be good for me. But yeah, folks, Shane is kind of gone this weekend. I mean, last weekend and this weekend, he has been filming a pilot for a TV show that he's written. It's a sketch comedy show. It is very cool. It's a lifelong goal. And they're filming it, this whole show, in two weekends, You this whole episode. And it's wild how much effort goes into a single episode of something. As somebody who's outside of the entertainment industry, before I met Shane, I I had no idea. But now being in it, it it blows my mind, honestly. They've been working on writing these sketches for like a year and a half. And just the amount of people that are coming together, the amount of money it freaking takes, it's insane. So they're filming that this weekend 
And, you know, I'm so excited, like so excited for them. But as excited as I am, I'm kind of having a little pity party because I am wiped, folks. I am so freaking exhausted right now. November has been a really busy month for us for contracts. And when I say for us, I mean me because I'm the one taking everything on, the ideation, filming, the the work aspect, whatever. I've been working every day in my other job and the brunt of the childcare is on me right now. And it sure as hell was last weekend when he was out filming. You know, I was up at night with the kids. I wasn't getting a little extra rest during the day. And it was just, it's incessant. And Lucy's at a thing where now she's waking up in the middle of the night and then wants to come in my bed with me. And then I get kicked in the face by a toddler all night. Like, there is nothing about this that is relaxing. Okay, the fireplace thing is still a mess. Everything is happening all at once as it usually does. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm floundering a little bit, but I mean, hey, I got my seed lip. I'm recording the podcast alone. And uh, at least I'm surviving, I guess. And I know so many people have it, not worse than me, but just this is so regular for so many people. And I have so much respect for all of you. And I know my own mother did this. My dad was a traveling salesman. I mean, he would be in Europe for two, three weeks when my mom was stuck at home with two little babies and putting herself through university. I don't know how she did it. I don't understand. I don't understand how single parents do it. You guys are amazing. And oh my God, you must be exhausted. If you know a single parent and you are listening to this, or you know a parent whose partner is gone and the brunt of the childcare is often on them, take care of them. Do something nice for them right now. Like listen to the pod. Yeah, have fun. Yeah. And then after that, go get them something extra nice for Christmas. Go call them and tell them you're taking the kids for two hours so they can nap, so they can shower, so they can do something for them. Go do something nice because it is hard. It is so damn hard. Anyway, guys, I want to get into the first segment, the first and only opening segment that we're really going to do this week. And that's what is pissing Alex off. But instead of that, that's what Shane calls it. I like what is Alex raging about? Because as you know, I am going through postpartum rage as defined by my therapist that I saw and then dropped because uh, too ragey for therapy. I don't I don't want to sit there and just pay somebody else money because I feel like all we're doing right now with the contractors, we had a basement leak yesterday. I just feel like we're shelling out money in every direction and uh, I'm over it. I'm over it. So dealing with it on my own currently trying to find strategies. And this podcast is a pretty, a pretty nice way to deal with it as well. Anyway, I had a community member, somebody on Instagram reach out yesterday and she goes, hey, Alex, I'm looking for a little bit of advice. A thing just happened. My husband and I and my seven-month-old were at a restaurant. She wanted to feed, so I gave her the boob. And when she was done, she kept sucking, but she didn't want to unlatch. So I didn't mind. She was falling asleep, and I didn't want to unlatch her and wake her up. But then the waiter came over and apologized and said that three tables have complained about the situation. Mind you, I was fully covered. Nothing was shown in public. She had a deep latch, and my breast was covered by a scarf. And when I was asked to unlatch her, I did. 
She cried, she woke up from her nap, and it bothered me so much that I did that to the baby over the opinion of strangers. Do you have advice for me? I've got mom guilt all over. My partner said nothing, and he just told me to do what I feel is right. I didn't feel it was right, but I felt that I was pressured into unlatching because of the waiter and because of knowing all these all these other people were thinking this of me. I'm really upset about it, and I'm really upset about upsetting my baby. I worked a 12-hour shift yesterday where I was away from her, and it's just been hard. So everything about this situation makes me livid, livid. I cannot describe to you how upset this makes me. So this writer does not live in Canada. Where we live in Canada, in Ontario, this is a human rights violation. So if somebody asks you to cover up, leave the premises, go somewhere private, that is a human rights violation and they can be charged. They are not allowed to discriminate against a breastfeeding mother. Okay, I know that in Canada, Ontario and BC definitely have laws um, citing this as a human rights violation. I'm sure other provinces have laws about it somehow, but it generally is accepted. And I I have heard things from people before, never a waiter, because I'm pretty sure that could put their job in jeopardy. But I've I've had eyes, I've had people make snide comments under their breath because I, I don't use a cover. If I'm out at a restaurant, I'm feeding my baby. If I can eat, you know, and if you can eat and be chewing with your mouth open and chatting and whatever, my baby's gonna eat too. They're a tidier eater than you. Okay, my baby's going to eat if they want to eat. However, this writer uh, does not live in Canada, the United States. I believe this writer lives in Dubai. So I was looking up the rules in Dubai, and it is pretty interesting because I learned that in 2014, a law was put into place in Dubai that women have to breastfeed until the children are two. So they have made breastfeeding mandatory in a sense, until the kids are two. So from what I understand, they put this into effect in order to protect children because that's what the World Health Organization recommends. However, to make this mandatory is is just as oppressive to women as not giving them a space to breastfeed in. Okay, so let's look at the example that we have. A woman is breastfeeding her seven-month-old baby in a public space. The woman is told that her breastfeeding is making other customers feel uncomfortable. So she is being told by law that she must breastfeed her baby, but then she can't do it in a public space. So is she supposed to stay home? Is she supposed to hide in a closet, in a bathroom? What is she supposed to do? It sounds like this is designed to oppress women. I don't see any other way around it, and it's infuriating. It's infuriating. However, I did speak to the woman again and I, you know, I had recommended that she speak to management, whether she makes a call or goes in. So she made a call. Management sided with the waiter, if you can believe that. And they said, well, look, he was just letting you know. He wasn't telling you that you had to leave or that you had to take your baby off. He was just letting you know that I was making people feel uncomfortable. What? In what world do you go to a breastfeeding mother, a breastfeeding mother breastfeeding a seven-month-old freaking newborn and tell her that? How can you sleep at night telling her that, that she is making people feel uncomfortable? That discomfort is on the people that feel uncomfortable. 
Are you uncomfortable seeing an open breast in public because a baby is eating from it? That's on you. That is what boobs are made for, to feed babies. They're not there for your enjoyment, whatever. So if you are freaked out about seeing a boob in public because it ruins your, I don't know, the sexual gaze you have for that body part, that's on you. Get over it. Get over yourself. You can leave the restaurant. You can go somewhere private. You can hide at home. And not, you know, be exposed to babies developing and growing in the outside world. So this whole thing just, it it really got me fired up. And, you know, I I was thinking, because I wasn't sure where this woman was from initially. And I was thinking, oh my God, if that's in Ontario, like where I live, that is madness. I'm boycotting this place. I'm writing them up, everything. Of course, there are cultural differences. But again, in Dubai... It isn't governed by strict laws that are, you know, telling women that they need to not bear their breasts to feed a child in public. So it's tough. And of course, not being from there, I don't want to speak on it too much. But the fact that this woman felt that it was at a place for the fact that she felt ashamed, guilty because of this situation, I would be starting a fire figuratively although I would want to literally I would start one figuratively I'd be calling the restaurant out online I'd be writing them reviews I would be taking this up with a local paper that is oppressive to women and it is a violation of human rights especially when you are mandating in the law that women need to breastfeed until babies are two which is you know problematic in its own way Anyhow, I want to thank everybody who wrote in because I had so many responses from other people who were similarly you know, upset for this woman. Um, And again, I can guarantee she's one of many every single day in different parts of the world who are putting up with something like this and who are having conflicting laws and conflicting rules and public perception about how they should be as mothers. There's no winning. And of course, we experience this too in Canada, but perhaps it is, you know, a work and parenting balance, a work-life balance instead of maybe you know, being asked to leave because we're taking our boob out. It's everywhere. Moms are not treated fairly. That's that. And folks, I did not mean for this to get so gosh darn ranty. But I mean, here we are. Got it off my chest. And even though I don't live in Dubai, I want the name of this damn restaurant because I still want to put them through the fire. Anyhow, folks, we are going to brighten things up with a little chat about divorce uh, with Julie Cole. So let's get to it. But before we get to Julie, I want to tell everybody who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity and they make the best basics for your littles. I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are super soft, comfy and timeless and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. They're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you are getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is minimiosh.com and This Family Tree 15. Now let's get to our interview with Julie. Hey. How are you? How are you? I'm so good. Can you hear me okay? 
I can't. Is my lighting okay? Your lighting's great, Julie. Is it fine? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look great. Background's nice awesome. too. You got you got some nice light thing going on in the background. I don't know if it's yeah, a reflection. I, I, it's that uh yeah, that reno we did, right? It's all pretty now. Let oh. me turn my ringer off too. We're trying to get through renos right now and it's hell oh, on earth. It's hell God. on earth. Like it is. just <sighs> dealing with people and the schedules. I want to die. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit this was the first reno that we've ever done and uh yeah, it was, uh, and like, it, it was okay. Cause I, you know, it started and then the kids were back in school, mm. but then the COVID thing again. So then the kids were homeschooled and then the university kids came home and like, it was the whole main floor. So, you know, not having a kitchen was such a big family and but luckily, you know what? It was, it, it was fine. It was fine. We, we got through it. That's the thing. And that's what I, I'm yeah. trying. We're only doing, it. we're only doing a fireplace reno, reno. Like it's small, okay. it's not even a huge thing. Yeah. And it's been since August. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But and it's all right. You got that. <laughs> but Julie, I am so glad that you are able to come and sit with me to talk about co-parenting yeah. tonight because it's such an important topic, such a, a topic that so many people can relate to and need to hear about. And I don't have the experience. I don't, I have so many questions right. about it. Awesome. And I'm so glad that you are kind of an open book with this and I, I'm excited yeah. to dig in. So, you know, let's, let's start the, the basics, your family, you, you got a bunch of kids. How old is everybody currently? So they are 12, uh, one just turned 15, 16, 18, 20, 21. Okay. So how old were the kids when the family structure, parenting structure changed? Well, it's about five years ago. Oh, okay. so Yeah. So, you know, teens, tweens to teens, basically, I guess the youngest was probably seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's worked out quite well. So, okay. The kids are all across the gamut then for ages. Yes. When the family dynamic changed. And like, if I can ask about this and, and feel free, Julie, be like crossing a line there, whatever, sure. I'm fine. But how do you go about telling all the kids that there is going to be a change when the ages are so different from the youngest to the oldest. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a really good question. It's an important one. And it's an important one for parents to consider because you literally have like about their attention for about 15 seconds before they start panicking and thinking, now what about me? So we, we actually scripted it. We worked with a therapist to script the messaging and we delivered it obviously together. And it was in like a warm moment. We were all just like on the couches and chatting and, and we got the important information across quickly. And, and that brought them a lot of comfort knowing what our family structure was going to look like and how it was going to impact them. For us, the big one was that the kids weren't moving. Right. So because we do nesting, so the kids stay in the house and we rotate in and out. So for us being able to get that message out first made it so they're like, oh, so there's actually not going to be a lot of change because in actual fact, like we both traveled a lot for work mm-hmm. um, and actually Daddio was working out East. Uh, he was flying fly out for about two or three years. So they were kind of used to me being on my own between Monday and Friday anyway. And then him just being there on the weekends and flying out Sunday nights. So like, I think structurally, it didn't actually look a whole lot different to them. Okay, wait, wait, I'm so, what is nesting? Does that mean that the kids are in one place and then you and your ex-partner, do you guys like move in and out of the house yourselves? 
Correct. So how it works is, and especially like it's, it's particularly great when you have like a big family, because I mean, we don't need two, two big giant houses, like, right. And, and two sets of everything and whatever. And, you know, this is their home. So we thought just because we're changing the relationship, why should they kind of have to pack up and go back and forth and be disrupted. Like we're the ones who are making this this decision. Why don't we be disrupted? So the kids, and again, with so many of them, it just doesn't make sense to be packing bags and going back and forth and all that nonsense. Yeah. So the kids stay in and now in, in traditional nesting, what you would do is then the couple might buy an apartment or get an apartment, like a two bedroom apartment Mm -hmm. and rotate out of that as well. But we didn't do that. We've just kept the house and then gone our own separate you know, uh, situations. So yeah. So we're not doing like the true nesting where we even swap in and out of that, but yeah, we do it in the house and we never, and you know, we didn't want to do week about like a lot of people do week on week off, but I never like want to like, we don't, none of us want to be away from our kids. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so we've got it so that I'm home, you know, four nights a week, he's here three nights a week and we're never away more than two nights in a row. So it's, And then the kids also know they're like, oh, it's Tuesday. It's mommy night. Oh, Monday's daddy night or whatever. Like they know um, it's it's not confusing with like this four days on, three days off, three days on, five days off, blah, blah. Like, you know, so they kind of have a lay of the land. Okay. So I'm, my mind is exploding with this nesting thing. I didn't even know (laughs) that this was a co-parenting structure. So typically the couple then buys another apartment together. And right. then, so even though you're separated, you're still buying another property together, which well, is like another commitment. I know, which actually is why we were like, this is silly. We're supposed to be having less to do with each other <laughs> and less together. We already have a whole bunch of things we share with all these humans, you know, and we are, I mean, we get along great and, and stuff. So it wasn't that big drama, but it was, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a little problematic. And it also, I think can get very problematic when a part, when one of the co-parents starts seeing somebody. What if somebody leaves um, a toothbrush? Right. Yeah. And it's just like, and it can be kind of weird to wrap your head around it to be like, hold on. So you like, you share a house, like, and like for our case, like with so many kids, it's not like we have a spare bedroom where I can have one bedroom. He can have the other bedroom. Yeah. We share a bed. Yeah. Like the main bedroom that the parents would normally share. Like I'm there on my nights and he's there in his nights. Right. right. Whereas families, maybe, you know, if you had a four bedroom, you had two kids, you might be able to have your own room. Um, not, not so is the case here. And you know, that might, be, that might freak out potential partners. I mean, as if they're not already freaked out by the six kid thing anyway. So <laughs> good luck. You know what? <laughs> But I, I love that you, the parent parenting structures are so different now and people are are really trying out different things. Like I just recorded a podcast with another woman, Linda Fruits, who's big in the internet world. And her and her husband are separate. They're divorcing, but they're still both living in the same house, just two separate ends of the house. And right. it's and they're dating. They're both dating. Right, and, right. Right. People well, are hey, whatever works, right? Like whatever works for you. Again, I think it is tricky when um, you know, when the if if you're trying to get a new partner, mm-hmm. if you start dating somebody and then like when you drop the bomb, first that there's six children, second that you're co-parenting. And you know, we've done things like, you know, like go this summer we went to the family cottage together or we'll take right. the kids ski together. You know, we're trying to do a little less of that, but you know, that has been like, we're friends and, yeah. you know, we, I, 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 you have, when you have six kids with something, you don't have six kids with an idiot. Like he's an awesome, he's an awesome dude. And we've got many years of like trust and respect and, mm-hmm. and all that in sort of our, our bank with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I've heard about nesting is that 
it can on occasion make the reality of the parents split not seem real to the kids like like it kind of delays it so maybe then when one of them gets a partner and the partner says absolutely no way now we're getting two houses and you do the two house thing that's kind of when it hits the kids their parents aren't actually together so i think it depends on their ages and stages and and these conversations and Mm -hmm. you know all it's all communication right but i think to your original question around yeah around telling the kids yeah you don't want to tell it around like a holiday or something you don't want them associating that holiday with that was when my parents split you want to make sure it's scripted Uh, it was important to us to do it in a very equal way that we both both wanted this equally so that they weren't thinking oh well one parent is more responsible for this happening so we wanted that not casting blame exactly it's just these things you know relationships change they evolve that sort of thing and i think you know i think partially why this has gone easy for us. Well, I mean, not easy, but relatively, like, honestly, it's been best. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. <laughs> it's been best case scenario. But, you know, I think for us too, there wasn't a lot of like, like we weren't high conflict. Nobody yeah. was like fooling around. There was none. So there, there was no hurt. There was no hurt feeling like, you know, I mean, obviously there's hurt. There's always hurt mm-hmm. when a relationship ends, but nobody had, nobody had betrayed the other. There was no, like, that's when I think co-parents will start digging their heels in and then, you know, the kids, they will use the kids in certain ways or talk about their co-parent. Like we parent, we parent, like we're still together. Like Mm -hmm. if they tried to opinion shop or be like, mom, dad wouldn't let me have this because blah, blah. I'd be like, then listen to your dad. You know, that's, we always like Mm-hmm. parenting we are we're on the same page and he you know so it's um so that's worked out great like we that we have been supportive parents of each other too yeah and it that seems incredible because you know anytime I think of that kind of situation I'm always just for some reason in my brain it's there's always hurt involved and I, I have a hard time and maybe it's just because of the structures I've seen and how I've seen that work out I've rarely seen a circumstance like yours Julie where people are doing it happily or like truly cooperatively. And I, I, I think it's so rare and I think it's so beautiful, especially for your well, for you too. I mean, the headaches that people go through, but for you and for your kids, right? So right. bringing a therapist into it, like you said that you had everything scripted. Yeah. So had you involved the therapist like way before you want to tell your kids or were you about to tell them and were you like, I don't know what to say? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we, we ended up seeing a therapist. I'm not sure if it was one of those things where we did it because we wanted to sort it out or we wanted to exit in a healthy way and, and wanted some help with that. And I mean, we even sent the kids to a therapist afterwards and the therapist was like, yeah, don't send them back. They're fine. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> because the, also the thing is too, and there's that many siblings, they do have each other to talk to about yeah. things. Yeah. So, you know, that, and she said like, they did, they do often see that with large sibling groups is that they don't, you know, they can bounce things off each other and say how they're feeling with each other and find yeah. relatable, you know, that sort of thing. So they're each other's little therapists, I suppose. But also I think because you know, it it just, kids who come, whose parents are not together, 
are fine. The only time they're not fine is when the parents have high conflict, when they split up. It's not the act of splitting up. It's the the act of how they've done it. So if you can do it in a healthy and functional and mature and non-toxic way, then your kids are going to be fine. So, and I remember that too, like when I first told, um, you know, my, my parent, my mom, whatever, and she was like, what about the kids? And I think there's this old fashioned view of what it's like for kids. And I mean, now my mom, five years on, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The kids are so good. And you guys do such a good job. And it wasn't the end of the world, you know, it was just a change. And um, I would say probably my two biggest things that help make this successful I'm going to say three things. One is that if you literally put your kids first, like put your kids first, then, then, then you will, you can do the work. You can do the hard work. You can work. You, you, it doesn't have to be high conflict. You can, you know, you don't, they don't get in the middle. They can have a good experience. And, and the other one is if you don't get greedy. Right. Right. So, you know, you don't want to nickel and dime about, oh, how much your guitar is worth? What's your jewelry worth? I mean, and and I think I'm probably coming from this from a little bit of privilege because we didn't have to nickel and dime about that stuff. How endeavor there are people with way more money than us that nickel and dime over, you know, this and that. So just, you know, if you put the kids first, um, don't get greedy. And the other thing I think was a real advantage was that we still had Nanny Hazel. And the reason why that was, an, that was a huge advantage was because it's not like I would get home after two days and be like, oh my God, the laundry is not done. The place is a dump. The kids are disheveled, the whatever. So there was always this consistent level. So there wasn't there wasn't any possibility around bickering about that right. stuff, you know? So I think that definitely having that consistent person around that kind of mm-hmm. just kept, kept the place in, in uh, tip top shape. And yeah. So that was definitely Nanny Hazel was a savior. <laughs> I need Nanny Hazel in my life stat. Um, oh, you, oh, you, everyone <laughs> needs Hazel hands off my Hazel. <laughs> so Okay, in regards to the nesting co-parenting structure, because I have spoken to a divorce lawyer on this podcast before, and she spoke vaguely about different parenting structures, but we didn't get into it too much. However, is that something that you guys kind of came up with intuitively and then found out it was a thing, or did the therapist present different co-parenting structures to you? Yeah, no, the therapist didn't do that. We have um, a family in the neighborhood who had done it and they just, their kids now are at university. So they just sold the family home, but they did it quite successfully for probably, you know, five years before us. So they did it probably for 10 years and had a good experience with Mm -hmm. it. So we had seen that work. I do think it takes a special couple. This is not for everyone. Like, you know, if, if there is high conflict or if there has been betrayal or if there's, you know, whatever, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people split up. Right. You do have to, I think you, you do have to have a strong friendship base and, and a high level, high level of trust. So it wasn't something that was presented. It was something that we thought, I think, you know, that we can do this. And again, with the six kids, it just means so much sense. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 You know, it it makes so much sense to me, you saying this, but it's not something that I ever yeah. would have thought was a thing ever. I know. And yeah. was it ever was it ever awkward or weird for you when you were first doing this like saying, "Oh, I'm this is my day to leave. I'm leaving my home." Right. So it was it was huge. I can remember the first night that it was not my night. 
And I mean, I was used to, you know, I did travel a lot for work, mm-hmm. but I would, I would only go away, you know, if possible, like if say I was speaking in New York, I would often just fly and fly out that day or yeah. just stay one night. Like I was always wanting to get back to these kids. Right. And I can remember the thing was the first night when I wasn't going to be in the house, I literally like went to a parking lot and cried because I was like, I, I'm not with my kids because of a decision we made. Not because I'm away from work, but because of a decision we made. And it felt very unnatural, but you do get used to it. You do get used to it, but you like for that first while you just are so out of sorts because I'm like, I shouldn't. Yeah. You're just used to doing all the things right now. I will say I was very fortunate in that. So daddy was, this was pre COVID. Of course he was working in Toronto. So he would go and get the go train at like, you know, 6am he'd get the train into the city and I'd come home and get breakfast and get kids to school. And then I'd go to work or work from home for the day. And then the kids would come home from school and I'd have, and then he'd come home at six or seven. I'd be like, Hey, okay. Have a great night. Bye guys. So I literally saw my kids and still see my kids every day, you know, (laughs) it works out. So that, I mean, I do kind of have the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that has worked out that now, not so much through COVID because he's been working from home and the kids were at home, but yeah, we're pretty easy going. It's pretty open door policy. Yeah. Um, like we usually do a courtesy, like he'll be like, Hey, I want to do some gardening with the kids Saturday. Is that fine? I'm like, for sure. You know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, no. And, and that's yeah. amazing. And you know, the question I asked you about having that adjustment period, I think that comes from me. My greatest fear is like, Julie, I hate being alone. I hate being alone with just myself. Like if Shane's gone for the night, I will, the second I know he's leaving, invite somebody over, invite a friend over, tell my brother to come over for dinner, tell my parents to come over for dinner. And it's always been like this. Like if even in university, when I had roommates, if they were ever leaving for the weekend, I'd invite people over or I'd take the train home because that's a riot. Cannot stand it. I need other people. I need somebody else with me to hang out with me. That's a hoot. You are, you must have, <laughs> COVID, COVID must have been tough for you, girl. <laughs> you know what? I, it was nice because I got to hang with Shane all the time because he wasn't that's commuting. True. So right. it made it, it was, it was easy for me. Yeah. And I selfishly yeah. liked it. But, yeah. That that would be the toughest thing for me because I feel that with the nesting thing, there is a benefit or an advantage as well if you, you know, on the days that you are at home yeah. because then it's comfortable. Everything is recognizable. You hear your kids right. in the same place. You've heard them for years. And that could also bring a comfort level to everything going on in your relationship. Was that the case? Well, I'll tell you what, actually. The other thing that – yeah, like I said, you kind of get used to it and you kind of do, and you start to schedule things. Like I found like, you know, if I'm having a girl's night then I'm like, okay, now I know I'm going to do it on a Friday night. Cause I'm, I'm, he's always at the house Friday night. Or if I'm a conference is that Monday, great. That works out well. Or if somebody's like, do you want to do a podcast or do you want to speak? I'm like, yeah. How do these nights work out for you? You know? So I can kind of book around, around that for sure, which has been, been super handy. And then it is kind of nice to actually have like you kind of get used to a little bit having, you know, I've got a little bit of time. Like this is wild, right? Like what is this craziness? <laughs> well, I couldn't imagine the lack of time with no. six kids, Julie. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I think of that or like, just like see your face. I, I always yeah. think of that. And I'm yeah. like, you are, you are incredible and you, you do amazing work, you know, in your work and with your family. And 
I just think your outlook on all of this is amazing because I would have a hard time with this. And I think that even if there wasn't hurt, personally, I'm not a great communicator. It's something that I'm working on. Okay. I have been working on. And I would have a hard time even sitting down with a therapist and saying, you know, let's script this because I feel like my emotions would just take over. Right. Right. You and know, that's fair. You know, that's fair. Like your emotions will, like, it's a very emotional thing to have happen. Mm. And it's not like anything, you know, ever, ever, you know, anyone ever really plans for, you mm. know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the other, yeah, the other thing is that, yeah, kind of deal with, with the, with the uh, nesting, the co-parenting people are like, well, if you can do that, why didn't you just stay married? It's you know, different. Like if you, can be, you know, and it's like, yeah, there's a difference. There's definitely a difference. But yeah, they do like, or they're like, you know, we didn't see that coming. Or, and a lot of people make ex- assumptions, right? Like people like think, oh, it's all the kids. And it's like, no, we parent great together. We still do. Like, you didn't have anybody say that though, did you? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're like all the ki- like, was it all those kids? And then the other one, of course, is like, oh, it's because you're an entrepreneur. It's so hard to be with entrepreneurs. I'm like, nope, that wasn't either. Totally supportive. And, and the thing too, actually, I'm going to tell you the one thing I thought the therapist said to us that was really, really impactful and meaningful. We were talking about at one point about how much we'd accomplished, you know, we have these six beautiful kids. He became, he became a partner, you know, Mabel's labels was doing awesome. And, you know, we were just saying, ah, it's just, you know, it, I guess we were looking at like, this is a failure. And she was, and the therapist was like, hey, you've still done all those things. You see, he still became a partner. You still did able. You still have six beautiful kids. Congratulations, you two. That doesn't change. And then we we're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't change. <laughs> we still did all those things. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of reshaping that way of, that way of thinking of, of it as failure, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, about the nesting too, do you set up, like when you set up the structure, like these are my days, these are your days, we're going to have a bit of an open door. So if you want to come text me and, you know, if it's, if it makes sense then come by, go garden, sure. whatever. Yeah. Are there ground rules too? Like, do you bring another boyfriend and girlfriend to the house? Nope. 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 There would be none of that. Yeah. No, no. This is the kid's house. And I like that. And, it's and the that, kid's house. Yeah. That's putting, like you said, mm-hmm. literally and truly putting your kids first. And I, I think that's so important. Is that something that the therapist recommended or you guys just made well, it's that? just what we were comfortable with and what we de- we decided to do. And, you know, we also thought like, you know, you don't, you're not going to introduce them to somebody until, you know, you've talked to co-parent about it, how serious it seems, whatever, because you don't want, you know, kids seeing people come and go or whatever. Not that either of us are really much like that, but, you know, it's just, just out of respect and, and, you know, making sure that we can support and also not getting thrown off guard. Cause you don't want to hear these things from your kids and be like, Oh, what, <laughs> you know, you want to be like, yes, I know it's a very nice lady and, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. You just want to make sure that again, you're, you're always, you're always a team. Right. So, yes. yeah. So are the, are those conversations mediated or do you just do them with each other? Because I, I could find that that could even get heated. And uh, I had a friend who was dating somebody who was newly separated. I'm talking like three months. Right. And he was wanting to introduce her to the kids. And I was like, red flag, get out of that relationship. Too soon. Like, that's a yeah. crazy thing to do. I almost feel like it's he's using you to make somebody jealous. 
So how how do you work out those rules and kind of say, this is our boundary and neither of us are crossing it? I think it's just more, you know, conversational and like, you know, having these discussions together and, you know, what would your comfort level be? What would you think of that? And, you know, just kind of coming to consensus on things. It's Mm -hmm. never been, it's never been something that we have to you know, have mediated or, you know, write things down or like be, we, we haven't thrown the book at each other, you know, oh, well, you know, I guess our, we have an official switch off time at four, but if I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, up hiking with the kids and it's six o'clock, like, I'm not going to come back. Like, I'll yeah. just come back when I come back, you know, like that's, <laughs> you know, we're I, but, but I'll tell you what, I know with a lot of couples, they're better off when they do write it all down and they stick to it. And then as time passes, you'll find things can loosen up a bit. But at the beginning when, you know, people, you know, their knickers are in in a knot a bit or whatever, you you just want to try and reduce, you don't, you don't want gray areas. Mm -hmm. If you can make it as black and white as possible. So everybody knows what the plan is and the kids know, and it's consistent. um, That's, you know, that's, that's better for everyone. But, you know, even if you, you know, diverge from that as time goes on and you will, and that's fine, but maybe starting off, I think when you do a separation agreement, it's a good idea to have things pretty spelled out just so that if you do have to throw the book at them, because some people can be, yeah, Yeah. some people can make it hard, right? right? It can be greed. It can be just the selfishness. And and I've seen that play out so much. And there are so many hard parts, I imagine, when you're co-parenting. And one of the hardest parts I can think of, uh, you not having, and I mean, my kids are so young, but is fielding kids' questions mm-hmm. and in dealing with everything that comes with being separated. Like you already said, you know, they don't opinion search. But mm-hmm. are there ever moments, like I think of teenagers, I'm like, I was, I was a hormonal teenager, Julie, yeah. hormonal. And my parents were together, but if they weren't, I think I would have been the type that it would say things like, <laughs> I'm going to go live with that. I'm going to go right. live with mom. Do those circumstances put up and how do you field those and manage them? So I actually think that, okay, so it's interesting you ask this because I have, I have opinions about it. So this is their home and they can't get in a fight with me and be like, I'm going to go to stay at dad's place. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. This is your home. And just like if your parents are together, you work through that conflict mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't get choices. You don't get to shop around where you want to stay or I'm going to go live with like in our family. That's just not, yeah, that's just not entertained at all. And I think that co-parents like that is an area I think they should do better. I know one family where it's like, I don't, I'm mad at mom. I'm going to go live with dad. And then of course, guess what? They're going to be mad at dad. They're teenagers. Then they're back with mom and then they're back with dad. And then they're, and it's just like, wow, you cannot let the inmates run the prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like categorizing the kids as inmates. Yeah. Mine are, but they're also like dictators at the same time. So oh, yeah, the old pint size, the old pint size dictators. Yeah. <laughs> but it is funny too, because then I had one of them say to me, my littlest guy, he said to me a few years ago, he's like, I feel so sorry for so-and-so in my class. And I was like, well, why? He's like, his parents are divorced. And I was like, so are yours. <laughs> like, what, what? But I think in his mind, it was just like, he doesn't have to leave his home. 
And his, his little friend was always going, dad was picking up, mom was picking up. They were going back and forth. They were, you know, even at Mabel's labels, we have so many like mom will buy these labels, dad will buy these labels because they get tired of, you know, buying clothes and then they end up at mom's house or, you know, when I have toys that don't come back from dad's house, whatever. So I, I call it the divorce pack. We kind of probably need, probably need to make one. Especially after COVID. Right. So <laughs> And that is like, you know, people, people getting annoyed with stuff being left at mom's house or dad's house that like, that is a big co-parent thing that people get so mad about. I'm like, it's a bathing suit. Who cares? But again, like, you know, if you spend $30 on a bathing suit, you want to come back. I get it. I get it. 100%. Yeah. 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 So what was, was there any part of the whole transition that was harder than you expected? And then another part that was possibly easier than you expected? Right. Ooh, good question. Yeah. I think the harder than expected was uh, like when I said that first time when I'm driving down the street and I'm, you know, not with my kids and I couldn't be, that was, that was, that was really tough. Um, I think the money thing worked out fairly well for us because we've just been sent because people are like, how do you do Like we just did this major renovation, right? And they're like, well, it's both of your, like, who I was going to ask about that. Like, right. I was yeah, dying yeah. to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, you can. So, so what we, what we do is that we both, you know, based on our salaries pay, and this is the thing, it's all just, it's a mathematical equation. You put in how much you make and then the family court spits out the number you have to pay in child support based on the ages of your kids, blah, blah. So it's not rocket science. So based on, you know, he's pays his child support and I pay my child support. And that goes into our house account. And in our house account, that's where, you know, if Hazel does the grocery shopping, Hazel's got a credit card, I've got a credit card and daddy has a credit card. So both uh, me and daddy put our money in. That's where, you know, we pay for hockey or we pay for groceries or we pay nanny Hazel's salary, or we got to get the winter tires on the car, anything to do with kids and house come out of that account. Yeah. And I, works out well. And I mean, I've never had him, he's never like gone through the visa and been like, Oh, you spent like, he's mm-hmm. never, and I've never, I don't even look at it. Like he could be spending, I don't know what, like, I don't even look at it. That's like the level of trust. So it's not like, he's like, he's not like, he's like, Oh, you went, you went to Lululemon, bought two pairs of whatever, or spent 200 bucks. Like he would just know that I needed to get those for the kids for whatever. Not that I actually buy them Lulu. I just <laughs> came to mind. <laughs> they get my secondhand stuff. <laughs> well, that's like me. I, I am not buying a growing child design right? or anything. No right? way. I'll get yeah, it used yeah. and that's yeah. it. But totally. that, yeah. that is such a level of trust. And I think that is so amazing. And again, Julie, that comes from your philosophy clearly of truly putting the kids first. Yeah. And I really love this take because I often talk about you know, in our household, how, where we are, we put each other first in our relationship and then the kids in a sense so that we can maintain our, you know, being copacetic and being happy. However, I think obviously if that relationship is no more, it has to be the kids over yourself or anything else. Right. Right. And I I think that's so important. And I think that's a really good point, but I'm going to be honest, like, do it. I think I, I think that I always, always would put my kids first. Like I like, and I, I it's so good. I love seeing couples that, you know, put each other first. Cause guess what? The kids leave and then yeah. you've got each other. Right. So stay together. Like, you know, you've got it. And I do think you've got to work on it. Like this was, I mean, we were together 20 years. It's not like it was yeah. like this. Um, but I, I just even remember when I had my first baby, like, I was like, Oh, I love, you know, my family like this. I love daddy like this. Like, but then I had my baby. I'm like, oh, oh, 
oh, I didn't even know <laughs> this thing exists. Like how I feel right now. You could do is, anything, baby. Oh, right. Yeah. Like I can't even describe, like I can say, I love the others to the moon and back, but I'm like, this is, yeah, no, this is it. This is my true love. And it was, uh, yeah. So I do think it's awesome. And it's very important for, you know, for couples to prioritize each other, but, um, yeah, kids first, man. (laughs) I love my stinking kids. (laughs) All right, Julie, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We're supported by Bravado Designs. They make, I'm telling you the best bras, nursing bras, everyday bras that you can get your hands on. I got introduced to them when I was pregnant with Lou. I sent Shane to the store for a bra. He came home with a Bravado Designs one. I was like, okay, whatever. Have not looked back, folks. They are so good, like practical. I suck when it comes to the clips and everything involved in the nursing process. And these bras made it so much easier for me, like I'm telling you, changed my life. And now that I am, you know, almost done nursing children anyway and and wearing regular bras, they have an everyday collection. So these are bras without clips that are not just for nursing mothers, they're for anybody with boobs. And I have so enjoyed wearing this collection. You can check it out at bravadodesigns.com and head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that's bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. We're also supported by True Earth. If you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprint. It's really important to us. And one way we're doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. With two kids and the amount of laundry we go through between the four of us, our laundry room has become just a disaster. That's the only way to put it. So we discovered True Earth laundry detergent a few months ago and have not looked back. The detergent comes in pre-measured soluble strips, which you simply rip apart and put in your washer. I'm telling you, it is so easy. And the best part is that there's no plastic. Because the packaging is so compact, it's drastically changed the tidiness of the laundry room and has just de-stressed me every time I walk in there. And as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we typically go for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, gentle on everyone's skin, and it is still so tough on dirt. Our kids' clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You guys are going to love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get back to our interview with Julie. <laughs> no, I love it. And I love I love hearing all sides of that discussion. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's so good. And it just it just fosters you know, better thought and more discussion. I think it's so important. But yeah. all of this is is so honestly, Julie, fascinating to me because getting into this conversation, I didn't know anything about your structure. I didn't know right. anything. And even talking to you, again, not knowing any of this existed. And then even with the finances, like, because one of the things I was going to ask you before knowing anything about your structure was how do you decide – you know, how much you pay for or what extracurriculars you're going to pay for and things like that. But the level of trust here is incredible. So then I imagine if there was a recital or an event or a graduation, you guys would be cool going together. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, and um, yeah, it is. uh, 
Yeah, it is funny with the the whole and like I said, the whole the money thing isn't even a like the the family court tells you what you have to pay. It's not a, you know, it's not something that you have to like really negotiate about. Mm. It's 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 a formula, so that's not even a big, you know, sticky point for for people. But yeah, but even but like I said, because we still sort of parent like we're together. Like I will sign my kids up for um, I'll sign our kids up for things. And like, we'll go to the dance recital and he'd be like, oh, I had no idea. I'm like, oh, just, just me's doing tap this year. I was like, yeah. Or, oh, just me. Didn't, I didn't realize they were doing, she was doing hip hop. I'm like, I know. Like, it's just like, he didn't police me yeah, before. Yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. police me now. And we keep all our same things. Like I deal with the teachers and the schools and going to the IEP meetings, whatever. And he deals with, you know, the doing the RESPs and making sure the university kids have paid their tuition and blah, blah, you know? So the things that we always did, we still do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, it wasn't like because we separate, he's like, now I have to start coming to IEP meetings, you know? <laughs> and it's like at the school, he's yeah. like, no, not, you know, like. No. And yeah. I, again, that keeps things comfortable, not only for the kids, because it's not like there has to be a big switch over of information, but it keeps right. things comfortable for you too, because then you still have the role in parenting that you have grown into that you are, that you are comfortable with. Yeah. And I mean, if I, you know, if I email a teacher, like if something, we had a little incident at school uh, last week where my kid ended up in a locker. Uh, anyway, uh, of course I email the school. I know that it was fine. That it was happens fine. outside fine. of oh cartoons. I know. It's like, what is this? The sad lot? Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it all got dealt with brilliantly, Good. but of course I, I hear about it. So then I would, you know, email the teacher and whoever, and I always copy him in just so he's, you know, mm. cause he, that's, that would be, that would be very upsetting for him. Of course. That was, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, but like I said, it got, it all got dealt with, but it was, uh, yeah. So just copying in and making sure just the communication, just, you know, mm. just keeping that communication open and, and sharing information is, uh, yeah, is, is, has been key. And, you know, Julie, so you're a mom and you work with moms. I mean, Mabel's labels, moms make up mm. such a huge part of your community, right? Your Mabelhood. Totally. And, you know, moms talk, not just moms, parents, people make judgments, as, as you said before. Did you find that with the structure that you guys chose for your co-parenting, were you getting unsolicited opinions from other people saying, ooh, I don't know how that's going to work or things like that that ever made you doubt yourself? I think for the most part, people have been pretty supportive. Well, they have, they've been like, this is weird, but Hey, if it works for you guys, great. Yeah. And I think also just with the number of kids, it does make sense, you know? Yeah. So no, I, I feel like we've, I mean, I'm sure there's been lots of judgment, but whether it would have been brought to my attention, not so much, you know, and nobody's going to trash talk me to my, my friends or my sisters or anything. So I'm not sure that I would ever really hear about it anyway. And uh, I, like, honestly, I always consider the source, but what would I care what some random stranger thinks of how I'm structuring my family. I'm, I'm the expert of my family. <laughs> like I'm doing, like, I know how to do this. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't worry too much about the chirpers. Yeah. So I think most, mostly though, people have, it's been more an envy thing. I'm on a positive co-parenting uh, Facebook group. And, and uh, yeah, and people are always just like, oh, I could never do that. I wish I could. It's just, you know, so hostile and it's so negative. And, you know, it's, I think 
you know, it's the, it's, it's an ideal situation for now it's working. If it stops working, we'll have to make a change. Uh, but you know, if we can just get these kids through high school and we've already got three away university and we've got, and then the younger three grade seven, grade 10 and 11. Right. So, you know, we'd love to hold on to the house till then. And even still, like even maybe beyond, I don't know whether I'd buy him out or something like that, but eventually we're going to have lots of grandchildren who need a place to come to and want to go swimming at Granny Julie's right. house. You have a sweet pool. You have a very sweet, I have a sweet pool. Very I got sweet, sweet everything. I, I got to get set up. I got to get set up here. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you have six kids, it's kind of nice to have a bit of space and the, you know, the trampoline and, and that jazz. So again, that's why we wouldn't want to be um, moving them out of here and going back and forth. Absolutely. And, you know, with the setup, like do your kids, especially the older ones, do they ever have questions about things. And again, like, how do you approach that if if one of your kids is asking you like an intimate question about yeah. your relationship and, and how that has, you know, evolved over time? For sure. Generally speaking, the eldest one was kind of like, well, this doesn't really impact me. So are you guys happy? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, then I'm good. Um, the next one. And then the same with the third, just kind of, kind of does their own thing and, you know, comes home, happy to see us both, you know, loves us. Like it's all, it's all good. I think this second was probably the one with the most questions and started speculating. Maybe things went a certain way. So I did actually sit down with her and just told her straight up exactly, you know, she's 20 and just kind of told her exactly how, how this happened. Cause she started worrying about, you know, will I wake up one day and just not like somebody? And I was like, it doesn't happen just like that. But I said, also, you're 20. So, yes, it might. <laughs> I woke up not liking a boyfriend at 20 and broke up with him. Like, oh, same. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? I woke up next to lots of boys I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, and, and I think that that's a great way to do it, too. And again, like you offered therapy to them, right, when things mm-hmm. happen. And I, I think that all the roots you went through are, are so great. And for yourself too, you said you're in this Facebook group for co-parenting. Are there any other supports like community supports that you have used in the time or have heard of and and maybe not used? Right. So I guess not so much for me that Facebook group is great. And it's um, the admin there is Brandy. uh, I'm going to send you the links for you to share. Brandy Weagle. She writes with the star and she's a, she's an old blogging friend of mine and she and her husband bought houses they're in Toronto bought houses next to each other oh wow yeah yeah yeah. so um they've got like dad is remarried and lives next door with his wife and mom's there with her boyfriend and you know they got the two boys that go from dad's house to mom's house it's a really neat setup so she um she me she admins that one the other one is um Jamie Screenchmore who has a lot does a lot with stepmoms she's a really cool woman again I met through the blogging community we partied at mom 2.0 together that sort of thing and her website it might be called like the stepmom project mm-hmm. or something. I'll find, or it might be her name. I'll find out so that you can share it too. And she married, she married a guy with three kids and was like, what is going on here? So she talks a lot from the stepmom perspective and she's done, oh, she's done some excellent work. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and, and I'm so glad that there are so many venues where people can share their experiences now because it's, it's got to be so different than even 10 years ago. It really does. And, you know, there's this other thing that seems to happen too. And I think it's the, like that generation, like 
my mom's age, that sort of thing, where they stuck it out. So now when some of us are like, we're not doing that, they're like, but I did. Why aren't you? And there's almost there's almost that, like there's a little bit of a judgment. Like if I stuck it out, it's like, hey, nobody's finishing this life with a medal of honor for you know, staying with their same partner. Like, you know, like that's that's not happening. So yeah, we've just got the one life, right? So, you know, and and I'm not saying you don't work, you gotta work, you gotta work at this stuff, you know. Everything takes fucking work. Absolutely. So, you know, I often say if the grass looks, you know, greener on the other side, make sure you're taking better care of your lawn. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I think that's so perfect. And, you know, everything does take work. And I, I do agree that there is a generational gap and there is a kind of jealousy almost in because I've seen that, too, in just talking about hardships postpartum, which I do a lot within my community. And then I'll hear, from, you know, from aunts or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, we, we didn't talk about that. Like, I, th- I think you're yeah. sharing too much. I'm like, sharing too much? When I was right. going through this, I was struggling to find people with experiences similar to mine. And yeah. so grateful to be able to find that through online communities. Yeah, it's all that, you know, it's all that, like, shame and the look of failure. Like, the more we talk about this and normalize this stuff, like, and normalizing, you know, and, like, normalizing just exiting relationships in a no drama way. Yeah. Like yes. let's, let's do that. Let's, there doesn't have to be high drama around yeah. even with friendships, you know, it doesn't have to be some big thing. You can just, let's just normalize mm-hmm. like leaving toxic things. Not that mine was toxic at yeah. all, but just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. And yeah. talk about failure. I mean, it sounds like a success. This sounds like Julie, like a dream divorce essentially. <laughs> and yeah. I want to know if you had any uh, advice for a couple that was navigating a change right now yeah. and, you know, an evolution of their relationship. What, what would you say? Yeah, I would say do, do get help just to even, if you want some, if you, if you are going to transition, just get some help around that. I do think that scripting, uh, important messages to your, even to your parents, like, you know, your in-laws might have a hard time. Like you are, you know, and my nieces and nephews, you know, like they're like, is he still our uncle? We're like, of course he's your uncle, you know? And, and so like, there's a whole bunch of different conversations you're going to have with different people. But also, I also think it's really important to, to send out a message and, and, and position it the way you want it and, and the way you expect it. You're not willing to take on any negativity about it. You know, you're, you know, just kind of what your expectations are around it. And then, like I said, with those kids, you got a hot minute to give them what the lowdown is. Um, and just keep asking yourself, am I being greedy? Am I putting the kids first? Am I being, and you know what, if your co-parent goes low, go high. Yeah. Always, always. That's an incredibly selfless take on everything. And it takes work. I know to be that selfless in any facet of your life, but especially in an area of your life where even if there's not hurt, there there's, you know, lamenting uh, the change or something. Yeah, yeah. But Alice, you know what? We're parents. We can do mm. selfless. This might put us to the challenge, but we, <laughs> we, we've got the number on selflessness. Like, you know, we do have to just remember and it just gets hard and see a therapist, mm-hmm. have a coach, have a mentor, talk to other, you know, moms or, or people who are going through this, join an online group and, you know, just, and there's no shame in your game. Julie, thank you for being so candid, honestly, throughout this whole conversation. I often feel bad because, you know, I have like 
so many questions swirling in my head, like nesting. <laughs> Did she just say they share a house? And yeah. I never, <laughs> I never know what's appropriate and what's not. And I like truly thank you so much for being so open. Uh, I, I, there's so much value in conversations. I'm so Alex, I just think, you know, it's such an important conversation Mm -hmm. to have. It's, and again, you know, when you have, when you talk about these hard things, Alex and, and, and shine a light on it, it's going to help other people going through it, you know, and all we want is the best, you know, I want the best for my kids, but I want the best for everyone's kids too. So if this gives a little bit of help and helps parents get through it, um, in a more manageable way, in a way that, you know, their family, can, can get through them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have these conversations. No, it, it was super lovely. And uh, yeah, it, just something I'm super fascinated by these structures, because I do know people that are separating and have kids mm-hmm. into it now. So it, it is so fascinating to me, but thank you. And one last thing you need to help me with. Okay. As important as that conversation, mm-hmm. where the heck did you get that sweater? Because I need it. Oh, I know. I love it's it. So cute. The colors. I know. I know. My kid was like, "You look kind of '80s." I'm like, "Maybe <laughs> I knew." I actually just got it at this little place called Waves in Village Square in Burlington. Well, like recently you got so, it, so they yeah, I did. Them. I recently got it because they just had their one year anniversary, and okay. so I just popped down there for a glass of champagne and I bought a few things, and this was one of them. So. Oh, gotta support, gotta shop local, support local. Yes, yes. I need to right? check that out. I, I need, I love it. I've been like staring at it uh, frequently, <laughs> being like those colors are gorgeous. And Julie, I recently saw you actually pop in like a happy, beautiful tornado to an event and then take off. I blinked and I was going to go say hi and you were gone. Where was Mom that? Fest in oh, Toronto. Were you there? I didn't even know you were there. I was there. <gasps> I, I didn't know you were. I turned around because I, I heard your voice and I was like, that sounds so familiar. I turned around and you're talking to Jam Gamble. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I need to go say hi. Excuse me, guys. And I look back. And then I'm gone. Yeah. It's like you were never (laughs) even there in the first place. My my brother always called me not his little sister his little twister because he's like you you come in like a hurricane tornado thing you cause a lot of destruction and then you leave. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved that move. The Irish goodbye after thirty oh, seconds. Hundred percent. It was beautiful. Yeah. You played that beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> but Julie, so nice for you to sit down with me tonight. I truly, I really appreciate it and wish you the best. It's a Monday. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I will. I'm actually heading to the cottage tomorrow for four days on my own to write. I'm writing because my I've got a book coming out and the first manuscript is due on November 15th. So I'm a little bit behind. So this is, wait, yeah. wait, what's your book on? Oh, it'll be on like all the things like, you know, business, business, babies and belonging, the mother load on my like mom hacks, business hacks, life hacks, that sort of stuff. So this is incredible. And I did see a lot of your mom hacks and business hacks and life hacks when we were at your pool party and all around your house, there's like little things like just help with dinner, help with laundry. And like my brain doesn't think in that way. I'm so disorganized. So that is a book I need to read once it's done. So yes, get to that cottage, do that writing. I will do. I will do. And of course, if anybody wants to find me, um, obviously you can go to mableslabels.com. Me specifically, you can go to mableslabels.com slash Julie Cole. And of course I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all the usual spots. And where, when can people start keeping their ear to the ground for this book? Like a year from now? Like what? Launch is Mother's Day. 
It'll no, be a Mother's that's, Day that's soon. Oh, I know. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Helen, <laughs> <laughs> shh. Okay. Julie, Step away from the mic. <laughs> no, I'm going to send you all the writing vibes, all the creative vibes. Good. Best of That'd luck. Be Cannot wait to read it and get inside your brain a little bit more. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me, Alex. Absolutely. Have a great night. Take care. Nice seeing you. All right, folks, that was Julie Cole. I had, I mean, it sounds weird to say that I had fun having a discussion about divorce, but I truly did. And it was so fascinating. I learned so much. And it's amazing to see divorce in a positive way like that, where you know it's the best for both parties, where you know the kids are thriving. And when you see both parties working together to ensure that their kids have the best life possible. And I think there's there's so much beauty in that and there's so much love in that from every regard. So I totally commend Julie for, you know, how she has been navigating life and again for sharing that with me and with us because it's a tough it's a tough thing to think about and it's a tough conversation to have. But hope you all took as much from that as as I did. But next folks, we are off to my favorite part of the podcast. We are going to the question answer mailbag segment where you write in questions on Instagram. And guys, if you have never written something in, oh my God, get on there, write in a question for me. It is a good way to connect with you. And I like hearing what you guys have to say. So give me a question, give me a topic, and we will always bring it up on the podcast. But the first question I thought was so perfect because it goes with everything I've been talking about in the last couple days on Instagram and, you know, at the top of this podcast, but breastfeeding. So the first question asks, how do I get comfortable breastfeeding in public? And I mean, for a new mom, especially if you've never done it before, it, breastfeeding is totally new to you. It's some, it's a skill you have to learn. Your baby has to learn. And that can be so tricky. And now pair that up with, you know, the the woman who wrote in about getting told she was making other people feel uncomfortable. That's a lot for one person to take on, okay? It's a lot. And I totally understand when people say they're not comfortable breastfeeding in public. I'm an avid public breastfeeder, you know, happy to whip a titty out and just have it bare. I'm fine with it, okay? But I totally understand when people aren't. And I have a few suggestions for you to maybe help work on that comfort level. First thing, work on your hold. There are so many different ways that you can nurse your baby, hold your baby to ensure that they're getting the best latch, that, you know, their mouth is flanged properly, that it's sitting deeply, uh, and just that it's comfortable for you and your baby to maintain for the full length of a feed. So check out different holds, find one that works for you, and just get that good system down. Practice that at home. Like don't put too much pressure on yourself and try to get out in public right away. Practice it at home. And you know, when you feel comfortable with that and when you guys are good at it, because it is something that you have to become good at, then maybe start venturing out. Next, if you're uncomfortable about the nudity or exposing any part of your breast, breastfeed in front of a mirror. See how little breast and nipple actually shows because once your baby, if they have a proper latch, once your baby is on your breast, you're not going to see any nipple. So the only time it might ever be exposed is perhaps, you know, in the transfer as your baby is latching. However, my next tip, if you get a cover, if you feel like you want a cover, you know, that's whatever, do you. And then the cover solves that issue. Right. So throw the cover on just a little light scarf or something. Uh, and I know you can buy really beautiful covers online 
And then that gives you, especially if you're still in the practicing phase, that gives you a little bit of privacy while your baby's trying to latch and maybe if they unlatch a couple times during the feed. So that will keep you comfortable in that regard. Next, I mean, if you're still just kind of dipping your toes into it, breastfeed in private areas. So many bathrooms or restaurants or businesses should have a quiet corner, a nursing station, whatever, that you can go into to nurse. And again, if they don't, just find, you know, a corner of the store that's not busy or something like that, but just maybe not right in the open. Like, again, I am fully happy and comfortable and skilled at this point to, you know, feed Betty while we're walking through a bookstore and be looking at books with one hand and feeding Betty in the other. That's fine. We've reached that point. However, initially, when I was still getting the hang of it, I was going to sit in a quiet corner because I really needed to focus on it. Do that and then that can kind of help you get comfortable and, you know, kind of push you out into being able to do it anywhere you want eventually. And the last thing that I would tell you, remind yourself that if somebody's uncomfortable, that discomfort is their problem. It is not your problem. It is not on you. Screw them and worry about yourself, okay? Let them sit with that discomfort. Let them leave the restaurant. You are a perfect little mom, woman, human, doing your best, taking care of your baby. Do not even let them occupy a minute of your thoughts because they aren't worth it, all right? With that, I hope one of those tips helps you. But yeah, just start slow, start slow, let yourself get used to it, and then, you know, baby steps, as with everything. Next question. I'm single and have no kids. Where does my friendship fit in with those who aren't and who do? So this is an interesting one um, because I think that from both sides, you know, if you and your best friend, let's say, are same age, one of you gets married, starts popping out babies, the other one single, living life, dating, not popping out babies, you are on two totally different paths. It doesn't mean any love is lost. It just means that you're doing totally different things. And I find that, you know, the married and friend with the kids will be like, oh, I don't think my single friend likes me. I'm so boring. I'm a mom, blah, blah, blah. I don't have anything to talk about. And then I think that the single friend thinks about the mom friend. Oh, you know, she doesn't want to hear about the guys I'm dating, what I'm doing. We don't have anything in common. No, 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 no. You do. You have so much in common. You got all that love. You got lots going on and you want to hear about everything in each other's lives. And that can be tough sometimes because what I have found is that, you know, both parties are kind of scared to share because they're scared that the fact that they're on different paths makes the other person not want to hear what they're going through. But like, heck, my single friend, you know, I have one of my best friends single, no kids, or she's dating somebody now, I think, and this is a part of the problem. No kids. I'd love to hear, oh my God, I would love to hear about her dating life. I would love to hear about what she thinks of different guys. I mean, I just found out she was dating a guy after like six months of her dating, and I don't even know what's going on with them now because she doesn't share that with me anymore because maybe I don't tell her that, hey, I want to hear it. And I mean, she doesn't listen to this podcast, and I don't know if I have the balls to just call her up and tell her that because it might be an uncomfortable conversation. And you know what? I should. I should. 
And I wish that she would call me up and say, hey, Alex, like, even though we're not doing the same thing, I would love to hear more about your kids and what you're doing with your life and everything. But instead, we just don't talk as much right now. And I mean, I wish we did. I wish we were because I do care about her life and I do want to know what's up with it. But I know we'll be on a level at some point. You know, like I recently read an article uh, from Motherly Magazine and it said, I'm defined by motherhood right now, but that's okay. And the whole article was that, you know what, this is a temporary thing. So I'm, I'm going to love this temporary phase and really soak in it. And then, you know, after my kids are a certain age, I will be doing more of my own thing again, focusing on me a little more. And I know we will. We've been friends since we were 13. Regardless of what we've gone through, you know, different schools, whatever, we've always maintained our love and our friendship and our care for each other. And then when you talk to friends like this, it's like you could not speak to them for six months. And then the second you do, it's like you may as well have talked to them yesterday and every day before that. So I I just think you got to reach out. And I mean, as I say this, I'm like, I'm such a dummy for not doing this in my own life and telling her that I care and telling her that I want to know. And I'm going to do that the second I finish recording this podcast because I feel like such a dummy for not letting her know. So tell your friends you care. Tell your friends you want to hear about them. And I mean, if you are, you know, single and no kids, you're listening to this podcast. The one thing I can tell you, just because your mom friend can never go out they still want the freaking invitation. Invite them out. Give them the invitation. Pretend like you don't know that they're going to say no because you know they're going to say no or you know they're going to cancel eventually. But pretend you don't and give them the invite anyway because they will love it and they will love to feel thought of. All right. And that's that's all I got to say from that <laughs> perspective because I'm living in that. Um, but the next question, are nursing bras really necessary or do you end up just pushing the bralette up and down? So nursing bras definitely, and I mean, this could also go into the breastfeeding talk, but nursing bras make it easier to expose less of yourself, okay? So they make it easier to be discreet. I love my nursing bras when I'm wearing certain outfits, if I want a little more shape or something like that. But if I'm at home, guys, I don't even wear a bra. Like during COVID for the last two years, I maybe before I started going to work, I think maybe I wore a bra twice, like twice. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't love wearing bras when I'm just hanging out at home. But when I'm out, yeah, I like a nursing bra because it does give you shape. It does make things easier sometimes because when you got a bralette, then, you know, you just have a big bunch up of clothes and whatnot. It's it's awkward and doesn't look nice. So, yeah, whatever, whatever you like to do, you do for you. OK, next question. Has your kid ever poked you in the eye and you end up getting pink eye? Because that's where my life is at right now. So no, thank God. Um, That sounds awful. Sending, you know, love and blessings to you. But yeah, that sucks. The worst that's happened to me, I was a bridesmaid in my friend's wedding a couple summers ago. And the night before the wedding, Lucy, oh my gosh, she was breastfeeding and she had like a jagged nail scratched me on my nose while she's feeding like she's just reaching up at me and just peels off the skin I I mean like just peeling off a thin disgusting layer of skin from the top of my nose to the bottom it 
killed. I cannot tell you how much it stung. I ran, look in the mirror, bleeding all over. It was disgusting. Like, I, I don't even know how she managed to do that. Like, it was like my skin, honestly, was made out of Play-Doh. And I'm like, oh, my God, is am I unhealthy? Like, is this okay? But yeah, whatever. Uh, so the next day at the wedding, anyway, I had a scab going from the top of my nose to the bottom. And it was so gross and so embarrassing. But say lovey. Next question. Do we as females have an excuse to be grumpy on our periods? I think kind of. So that's the question and the person's opinion. Uh, so, hey, I mean, guys, there's really nothing we can do because the influx of estrogen and progesterone during the luteal phase of our menstrual cycle. So that's, I think, I mean, hey, if you're a pro in this, correct me, but I think it's from ovulation to the beginning of menstruation. It actually does have an impact on your brain. Okay, so it's not you just you know, being like, oh, my period's coming up. I'm PMSing. I'm just going to act moody. It's actually impacting our brains. So when we are in PMS, during PMS, the amygdala, which is in our brain that controls emotion, it increases a lot in activity. So then we get lower levels of like the feel good stuff, you know, like serotonin. And then we have high anxiety effects. I'm not a scientist. I don't know how it works, but I do know that we get more stress. We get more anxiety. And all of this obviously adds to feeling a little bit grumpy. Do I think it's an excuse to, you know, be bitchy to our partners and our kids and our coworkers and our family members? No. That is something that we need to work on because nobody is deserving of us just going around and being like, I'm PMSing, so I'm going to be mean. Uh, Nothing is worth that. You know, nothing is worth making the people in your life feel crappy just because you feel crappy. But I mean, if your fuse is a little short, I'm I would love it if people had a little bit more understanding as long as you aren't going overboard. But, you know, it's on us to unfortunately, you know, the burden of women, but it's on us to ensure that the way we're feeling isn't negatively impacting those around us. And our final question for today, what is your favorite thing about being a mom? This is so mom-centric, this episode. And you know what? That's fine because it's just me today. And that's the experience that I got. But my favorite thing about being a man, a man. Oh my gosh, guys, I need to sleep. My favorite thing about being a mom is just watching Watching a human that you created grow and do things for the first time and, you know, just have this crazy love for you and you have a crazy love for them. And it's like every little thing they do, like Betty stuck her fist in the Cheerio box the other day and started just shoveling handfuls of Cheerios into her mouth and making a huge mess on the ground all over herself. And it was really gross. And I'm like, ew, I can't eat those Cheerios anymore because they got baby hands in it. But at the same time, I'm like watching her. I'm filming it on my camera. It was the cutest thing that I've ever seen. And there's just so many moments of joy in my day as a mom. And like, hey, I had lots of moments of joy in my day when I wasn't a mom. However, it's just it's different. And where I'm at in my life, these are the moments of joy that mean the most to me. And yeah, no, it's beautiful. Like, It's beautiful and I love it Uh, and it's fun, man. But I also lied. There is one more question. I didn't see it. Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Thoughts? 
I freaking love it. I love it so much. I love Pete. I'm just having so much fun watching Pete just go through the elite women of Hollywood. Okay. It's a blast. The next woman I want to see him with, though, I want to be like totally different. Like, I, I want to see him with a, I don't know, like, like, like a proper type, like a fancy type who's like, you know, totally disobeying the rules of her family to go and date Pete Davidson, King of Staten Island. Like, I need to see Pete in some Romeo and Juliet love story. I want to see him in like hard love with somebody, with somebody nice who it might work with. But guys, I love it. I don't love celeb gossip all the time, but I love following Pete Davidson. And, uh, you know, it just makes me wonder things. How does he get these women? I have ideas, but... You know, I, I want to hear I want to hear more stories about this. If you got any Pete Davidson gossip, send it my way because I am a person who would love to hear it. But folks, that's it. That's all of my lonely, sad singleton episode uh, without Shane as he is off working. He will be joining me again next week, and it'll be so nice to not stare at a blank white wall and actually stare in the eyes of the loving turd that I call my husband. But if you have the chance. And if you haven't yet, I would so appreciate you getting on Apple reviews, whatever review system you have on Spotify, Apple, and giving us a five-star rating, giving us a nice comment. It means so much because we do love doing this. We do put in a lot of effort and we like to hear feedback from you guys. But I hope you all have a great rest of your week. And thank you so much for listening to this Family Tree Podcast, episode 111. <laughs>